Welcome back to What the Fertility. Today we have with us Katie Burt. She is going to speak about her journey through infertility along with male factor infertility. So welcome, Katie. Thanks y'all for having me today. Absolutely. We're super excited to kind of dig in and hear your story. Um, so if you want to just go ahead and get started from the beginning, maybe telling everyone how long it's been since you started trying to conceive. Well, absolutely. It actually starts before I even started trying to conceive, before I even knew my husband. Back in 2010, so I was in college, I got a pretty severe kidney infection that sent me home for the week. And so my mom calls my pediatrician, even though I'm like 19 at this point, not knowing what to do. And my pediatrician's like, well, take the medicine, like, the ER gave her, but let's also do a CT scan in a couple of days. Like I'll order it to make sure it's gone away. So we go do the CT scan. Lo and behold, my kidneys look great, but there's a cyst on my ovaries. And so immediately my mom and I are kind of freaking out because there's a history of female cancer in my family. So you hear the word cyst, it's like, oh, cancer. But luckily not. If I go back to school, my pediatrician gets me in a few weeks later with MUSC's um, OB. So come back to Charleston, meet my OB who I'm still with today. And she is absolutely great and says, you know, this, this is probably normal. You can get them between cycles. And so she decides to put me on birth control. I also had really, really heavy cycles. But looking back 12 years ago, knowing what I know now about birth control, it's like, oh man, like wish I'd said no. But she also runs some other um, tests as well to make sure. And we do a transvaginal ultrasound. At 19? Um, mm -hmm, at 19. So this is fun. My mom's like in the room and everything. Oh. Um, and they realized my uterus has a septum. And so I really shouldn't have to worry about that when I'm 19. Like there's no husband in my future. Um, but my doctor explained, you know, this can cause miscarriages. And so my mom, thinking ahead, was like, well, can we take care of this while she's still in our, our insurance um, before she graduates college and potentially get another job? And so my doctor's like, yeah, sure, whatever y'all want to do. So a couple years later, we do take care of that septum right after um, I graduated from Wofford in 2013. And so when she goes and she realizes my septum has completely split my uterus. So yeah, I was going to say, can you like pause? Cause I don't yeah. think we've talked about septums or anything. So basically I'm going to let you describe it, but can you just kind of describe what the a septum is in a uterus? Yes. Basically just like extra tissue. Some people just have a little bit. Some people have more. My doctor said I was one of the first people she's ever seen for it to completely split my uterus. And she said, if we never caught it, I probably never would have even been able to get pregnant because it was completely split. There would have been nowhere really for a baby to grow. And so that was interesting. And then all of my friends back at college thought it was hilarious. They're like, oh, you could have been like having sex all the time and not having to worry. I was like, <laughs> right. um, thanks. But also my nickname in college was the Virgin Mary. So it made it even 
Oh my funnier. God. Oh, that is so funny. There, there's a girl, um, healthy IVF on Instagram and she, and I, I don't know, Katie, if it's exactly the same, it's called like a bicornate uterus and hers mm-hmm. was like what you're describing. It goes all the way down. So literally when she does IVF, like they would implant on one side of the uterus and not both sides, like to what, to your point of it being like, but it's super, yeah. super dangerous. Cause there's not a lot of room for the baby to grow. That's yes, what I was going to ask. I didn't, I've never heard of that. That's like, I didn't even know that was a thing that it can split it too. It's completely down the middle. So my doctor said like naturally, I never would have been able to get pregnant. Wow. And so that was fun. Um, went home and it was a pretty easy recovery because that one they did actually like in one of the outpatient ORs at MUSC. And Wait, so, so, so when they went in, do they like put it back this may be a dumb question so is do they like put it back like your uterus like back together or is there still always like a split um <laughs> sorry I'm just it's, really curious it's more just kind of like tissue that like separates the uterus from my understanding and so yeah. she basically took whatever the medical term for scissors is and like goes in and cuts it out I'm drawing it if you can see so it's yeah. more the opposite Amanda like they remove the middle part and then the uterus is just, and the reason I know that is because when I had the hysteroscopy, I yeah. have like the arcuate uterus. So to Katie's point, it's just literally, it was 0.4 like millimeters of extra tissue that they removed. So hers was probably, hers just descended all the way down to like the cervix. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Tangent. Sorry. That was, no, mom, like, I have, and we'll get back. I had some more hysteroscopies later on. Like this was not my um, first dab with um, septums. Yeah. But so 2013, that's procedure happens. And then I just keep up with my OB visits regularly, go for my annuals. Um, my weight was fluctuating like up and down. Like having that's around the time I think I met you in like 2014, 15. Um, but my doctor was like never really worried about it. Um, we did blood work yearly. We always check thyroid and everything. And so things were pretty pretty calm for a few years until I meet my husband in 2018 and there's a 10-year age gap between the two of us so we we both knew we wanted kids yes men can have babies a lot longer than we can but we figured we would start trying pretty much a few months after we got married in 2019 and so we got married in July my cousin was getting married in September and I was in that wedding. So we decided after the wedding, I would go off my pill. And so um, go off my pill in 2019. And then February of 2020 um, was my annual visit with Dr. Savage and Jason decides he's going to tag along so we can talk about babies or I don't even remember, but it was on Valentine's Day. Oh, and, <laughs> what? Um, you'll never forget that clearly. Yeah, never forget that. But I basically told Dr. Savage, like, based on my history, like, let's do the whole workup again, like, go in transvaginally, do whatever we need to do to make sure we're ready to go. Yeah. And she's like, absolutely. Um, well, lo and behold, I go get another ultrasound. And guess what? Septum is still there, God, but not. Gosh. That's what I was going to ask you. I have heard that it, it will grow back. And it wasn't completely grown back and it wasn't that much, but um, doctors always want to be careful because if you cut too much, you go into like 
I don't know anatomy, but whatever's like above the uterus and then you bleed too much and it's yeah. really bad. And so, but I also remember too, the person, I guess the doctor who was over imaging that day came in and talked to me as well. I was like, oh yeah, like we're trying to have a baby too. And I'm actually been referred to a fertility doctor um, because we can't do it naturally. So in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's nice. Like Dr. Savage is just going to fix the septum and yeah. I'm on my merry way again. Um, so Dr. Savage is like, yeah, actually I'm going to refer you out to a fertility clinic in Charleston because they have really, really good technology. They can do um, your hysteroscopy like in office. You won't have to go in the OR. It'll be great. I'm like, okay, it'll be great. And so <laughs> I go meet with um, at the time, like the only fertility doctor in Charleston. And um, it was with one of the female doctors. So I felt like pretty comfortable. And we go over everything. But once again, she's like, mm, we may need to wait on this because you're too overweight. And so I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, well, anesthesia. It's like, okay, I understand anesthesia is in office, but I've had anesthesia a ton of times by now because I also have had my gallbladder out that surgery with Dr. Savage I have a plate in my foot so I've had anesthesia like a bazillion times I've never heard of this before that's mind-blowing and so I'm just sitting there trying not to cry because I'm like this is great um but then the nurse anesthetist came in she's like open your mouth and she looked at the doctors like she's fine and so I want to be like haha yeah I told you so And so um, the best part is this is now getting near COVID when the world shuts down. Oh my goodness. Jason actually had to be out in Texas um, and he had to leave a little earlier because where he was going to do some work, they wanted him sooner. I don't even remember, but for whatever reason, my mom had to take me to the appointment. And so I was scheduled later in the morning since not as time sensitive um, around egg retrievals. And so it took an hour and a half for them to get the IV in me. That was really fun. But they finally do. um, And off to sleep I go. And so I do a follow up probably a month or six weeks later. Septum is still not all the way gone and too much is still there. After you, number one, paid for the surgery, I've had, it was, it's a hysteroscopy with yeah. an excision, which I've had, but like, then you have to go through the anesthesia and you're like, oh, I'm following up. I'm like ready to try having a baby. And then they're like, just kidding. We're back to square one. Yeah. And so, and then this doctor assures me, oh yeah, don't worry. This is normal. I'm like, okay, well, this is my third time doing this. Wow. Um, but by this point, we're kind of back closer to the summer. Um, it's around June now, and Jason was back from his jaunt to Texas. Um, but because they had so much trouble with my IV, the first time the doctor was like, I'm going to block you first thing in the morning. You'll be the first patient. I'll make sure the other um, providers know, yes, this is not egg retrieval, but she has to go first. And so that was scheduled for some Monday in June. Sunday, we gotten out of church. We're going to lunch, you're doing something, and I get a phone call. It's someone at that doctor's office. Hey, Mrs. Burt, um, you're supposed to come tomorrow, but 
we need to bump your surgery. So it's probably not going to be till 11, but you still need to come at 6 a.m. so they can get the IV in you. What? And then just sit there with the IV in for hours. Ooh, and mm-hmm. I hate the feeling of an IV. Like oh. I hate it so bad. That is so worse. I take my Valium. We get to the doctor's office. Um, they get the IV in. No problem. God. Of course. Yeah. Now, like it's totally easy. I see in four hours. And then instead of like putting me in like a room by myself, um, and I had Jason with me, obviously. They decide to put me in the recovery room where they do egg retrievals. And so there's just a curtain separating Jason and me from the other recovery space where two or three females and their partners were, where the doctors would come in or the nurse and be like, we got so-and-so eggs. And it was just so, it was so awkward. King, I have been in that recovery room at that fertility clinic after a DNC. And it's like, why, why, why would they put, yeah, no, I just wanted to say that because I can resonate on how we're both not there anymore. (laughs) And that's probably part of the reason. And so they were running a little behind. Of course, I think I was supposed to go. My surgery was supposed to be at 1030 or 11. It's after 11. I've been there since six something. I have to go to the bathroom. So I wheel my IV and I go to the bathroom and then I come out the bathroom and the nurse anesthetist, a different one, and we became best friends because she had helped me the first time, was like, okay, they're ready for you. And I look down, my IV is out my arm. I hate, like, I've had so many and I just hate them and they're, uh, do they have them like in your, like in your out, like this area? Mm -hmm. your elbow I don't know like it's just ha- hanging out um and I look at the nurse anesthetist she looks at me and like literally she's just like oh shit and I'm like yeah but by this point we'd already she'd already sent Jason like back to the waiting room so luckily he doesn't know any of this has happened and so I go into the OR suite and once again they're trying to get it back in my arm and they're having no luck because it's almost noon. I've had nothing to eat or drink. I'm dehydrated and it was bad. And so then the doctor who I've been seeing comes in and she's frustrated for, I mean, good reason, but you shouldn't be showing your frustration to a patient you've already bumped yeah. a couple times. Um, and so then this basically was my only option. They're like, well, let's just do this awake. Like you can do it awake. What? And I'm like, no. "Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. And basically made me feel like I was the problem. She's like, you know, this is your second time here. We have so many um, issues getting IVs in. And I looked at her, I was like, no, when I'm fine this morning, y'all were the ones who bumped me to later. Like if we had gone at the 6.37 a.m. time slot, this wouldn't have been a problem. And I want to clarify, a lot of people do hysteroscopies without anesthesia, but not where they're excising tissue because they're physically cut. Yeah, you did one awake, Amanda. Awake, but I never had. It's like the exploratory. No, it's like the exploratory. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they didn't cut anything like that. Yeah. 
Nebay. Um, so I looked at them, like I looked like a deer in the headlights, probably about to sob. Oh, and um, so. the doctor's like, I promise it's okay. And so then the nurse anesthetist was like, I'll just give you a bunch more Valium. I'm like, okay. So she like literally squirts a bunch of Valium under my tongue and then says like, I can hold her hand. I'm like, okay, cool. It was the most pain I've ever experienced. Um, it was awful. Oh my. I mean, like I, I visibly was like screaming at one point. It was so, so, so bad. And they just kept going? Like and that, they just like, kept going. Bonkers. And she's like, let's just keep going. Like, I know I've almost got this. You won't have to come back. You're almost so. stuck in a hard place because you're like, I'm so close. I've already wasted all this time. I've sat yeah. here. I'm almost done. But like I did an ERA and they don't give you anything for that. And that was the most painful experience. And they're not even, that's not even close to what you went through. Yeah. Like scissors, like up. Yeah. Cutting my uterus. Yeah. Oh, and so then this lovely daughter was like, I want to do you a favor since you're already here. Let's go ahead and do an ultrasound and make sure like we really did get it all isn't that what they should just always do and I'm like okay so they like go up and sure enough she said she got it all um oh but look you have a polyp Mrs. Burt so I'll send these over to your OB and she can take care of the polyp I'm like great um and so then I leave and Jason's like what's wrong and I'm like visibly sobbing I was like I just had to do that awake it was bad. And then I realized once I'm out more with it the next day or two, I call back to this doctor's office because this practice, they make you pay for anesthesia separately. And so I'd written like a $450 check for the anesthesia I didn't get. So um, I call up back. the nurse um, who was like over me. I was like, hey, like, I don't mean to be rude. But that check I cut the anesthesia, like I didn't get any anesthesia. So can I have my money back? And so my nurse was like, we've never had this issue before. So let me call and see what we should do. So she calls the anesthesia lady and the anesthesia lady is like, well, I'm contracted at that time. Like I still had to monitor her during the procedure. So no. I would have guessed that's what they said. Wow. Yeah. They should have comped that for you. Yeah, or like giving me money like towards my account there or something. Yeah, something. But I was like, whatever. Hopefully I'm done with them forever. I'm back to my OB. We'll take care of this follow-up. Then we can make a baby. Um, so I go to my OB and because this practice in Mount Pleasant, they have a partnership with MUFC. So they had talked back and forth already. Um, but my OB is great. She's like, you know, since you've gone through all this, we've kind of looked at your blood. Um, let's go ahead and just check your husband's. Like, let's do a workup on him. Because by this point, even though I had some procedures, there's still a chance we could have gotten pregnant somewhere in there. Because by now it's um, probably August, September. Of and you guys had been actively trying even throughout, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so lo and behold, my husband has to go back to that practice in Mount Pleasant to give his um, sample. And I think I went with him that first time because he was just so afraid. And they're all afraid, aren't oh, they? I know. I was like, fine, I'll go and hold your hand. 
<laughs> but I feel terrible because that day, for whatever reason, I visibly remember two couples walking out through the waiting room sobbing. And oh. it's like, please let these poor people like go through the back door or side door, or give them a tissue, a drink, something. A drink? Um, <laughs> I wish, right? They should provide that. They should have like a bar at the exit <laughs> for when you get bad news right like canceled cycles or something here's like a separate room for that yes <laughs> and so jason gives a sample and since technically my doctor at mufc ordered it she gets the results back they look great um as far as his counts and everything but he did have a small like infection like his white blood cell count was elevated so um, she called him in some sort of antibiotic and was like, in a couple weeks, let's just recheck, make sure this infection is gone. And so by this point, it's November of 2020. Oh my and we had scheduled my polyp procedure like early December, sometime after Thanksgiving. Well, lo and behold, um, surprise, Jason and I get COVID. Oh. And we had been so careful like my husband was not that he's a germaphobe but just not knowing about this pandemic or anything it's like we did everything we could to try to be careful never went anywhere but my mom's best friend went to Disney World got COVID and gave it to us and so that definitely was the sickest I ever had been but of course in the back of my mind I'm freaking out I met my deductible I need this stupid polyp gone Mm, yeah and so we were able to um do my procedure but I'll pause there um around that same time Jason's um semen gets rechecked his numbers have gone down drastically and so like my mind is going through everything I've seen on tv like on this is us where they like flush their like antidepressants. I'm like, Jason, call your doctor, like make sure none of your medicines cause this because he switched his anxiety meds around that time. And so I'm just freaking out. And then the one doctor, um, I think my OB said, go ahead and like get him in with the urologist just to check. And so the urologist put him on testosterone and Clomid um, and then said, let's repeat the analysis in 90 days and so, so I think so Katie sorry to interrupt so from the time he had COVID to the time he had the semen analysis for the second time was it like 30 days do you remember it the first and it was over 30 okay um, and so but we wanted to redo it because it wasn't with I don't think it was within 90 days because 90 days is a life cycle okay. um but the second sample definitely had been long enough where his white blood cells would have recovered, but we had to push it off further because he had COVID and he couldn't go be bopping in a daughter's office with. Well, yeah, well, I remember Josh, my husband, he got COVID in, oh God, he had it twice, but like March of whatever year, March of 2021. And I, for that reason, I mean, I felt bad for him. I was nervous for him being sick, but the whole 10 days, I was like semen after, after COVID, IVF results after COVID. And I was terrorized with what's out there. And so I made him within 30 days, go get another sample. And I was like, on my life, it was going to be zero. And I don't, I mean, we got really lucky. It came back completely the same as before, but you read that out there, that that's a huge, that that's 
Very possible. And we weren't down to zero, but it was, it, it was bad. It was and significantly so then, different, it sounds like. And so his urologist put him on Clomid and testosterone. And then at that point too, the doctor was like, no, we still can't really say for certain yet if this was COVID related or not. Um, I think he was just being cautious, but it's like, that's the only thing that's really happened to us. But so I go and do my follow-up procedure back at MUSC. Um, get anesthesia just fine. Well, actually my blood pressure was through the roof. They were very worried about me because my check-in, um, the receptionist literally yells to everyone, you can't be here, you have COVID. Oh my God. And I was like, lady, I had COVID. So my doctor had also didn't even make me do a swab. She had me go do my antibodies. Yeah. Just to double, double prove that like yeah. it's gone through my system. I'm fine. And so then everyone's looking at me like I have a scarlet letter on. And, and you like, probably have some trauma from the last time you had a procedure. And so I looked at her. I was like, you will call back there. My doctor is well aware of my situation and look at my test date. It's been a while. It's been over two weeks. Like I've done my quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and then you don't need to yell that out in front of everyone. Like that's, it was bad. People visibly like moved away from us in the waiting room too. Some um, people should not work in healthcare. Right. And I try to like be very calm and polite because I, I work at MUSC as well. But, oh, I was, I was done. As soon as I got back in the back, the lady's like, oh, yeah, your doctor says you're fine. When I got back there, I found, like, the charge nurse and, like, whoever was in charge of everything. I was like, listen, that woman up front needs an attitude adjustment and really shouldn't have a job. But, so we get IVN. They did have to use, like, an ultrasound to find a vein. But, again, this procedure was at, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm dehydrated and it's miserable. And we go back um, in the OR. I had a nice nap. Come back. There was no polyp in me. No polyp. No. And so it was, it was. So it was all that for nothing. So all of that literally for nothing. But I mean, I got a good nap and the anesthesia was much cheaper than at the other doctor's office. So but is this, um, is this when you decided or had you already decided to switch fertility clinics? Oh, it, it, it continues to get worse from here. And oh, so God. that was end of November, December. So it's like, let's just enjoy the holidays and reevaluate in January. And so um, we, do, we do another sample at the doctor in Mount Pleasant and the doctor calls and was like listen um your husband's numbers keep getting worse like there's no hope of a natural pregnancy and I'm like well what about that original sample back in October yeah that was a fluke I'm like okay like how was that a fluke but me not having gone to medical school is like okay I'll you trust them I trust them um, plus this is where my 
OB had sent me, and like they worked together, so it's like okay. And you're trying um, like still throughout this whole time, right? So you're like, mm-hmm. well, we aren't getting pregnant, so maybe that is the reason. Yeah, because I remember I did take a pregnancy test somewhere in there because I was late, um, but it wasn't that. And so we decide then go ahead and let's do all my blood work again with this fertility clinic since there's no chance of us having a natural pregnancy. Let's go ahead and see what's going on um, with me. And so the tech at this doctor's office, um, who was supposedly supposed to be really good at drawing blood, could never get blood on me either. And I would purposely schedule my labs in the morning Mm-hmm. just in case it really was like me being dehydrated but it's not um but we did all of my blood and at one point too it all runs together but she couldn't get any blood for me throws everything down goes to my nurse and I could hear her talking to my nurse I can't do this anymore she needs to go somewhere else and oh, so yes my nurse was great. I was like, you know, sometimes things happen, but I think it'll be better. Um, let's do all your blood at lab for, and they can send everything to us. And all they do is draw blood all day. So like, let's do this. And I think there's a lab for even closer to your house than this doctor's office where you are now. So they're trying to make it really positive. Like this yeah. is a good thing. I'm like, whatever. And so I go off the lab for, they have no issues getting my blood there. And so um, after all this blood was done, and this included like the genetic screening too, I get a call from the doctor who still doesn't call me by the right name. She's always called me by my legal name, which drives me crazy. And it was literally probably the worst phone call of my life. Mm. And she told me, you know, there is absolutely no chance um, for a natural pregnancy for you. Um, We couldn't even do a frozen transfer if we wanted to it would have to be fresh and not even five days maybe on day two wait and what was that what? yeah Amanda and I like wait wait, wait what <laughs> what is this based off of and I'm I just I don't want to trash certain clinics and I will edit out where you drop their name <laughs> but like they are known to do this and and, and I don't want to like I don't want to jump from the end of your story now, like right now, but that's clearly not true. Um, was yeah. that, what was that? That was based off of your lab work that you, they got back? My, my lab work. And then I guess with Jason's um, analyses coupled together and my, my MH did suck. It was 0.2. And so I did go back and try to look at my MUSC like labs. And I really hadn't had my AMH run, but we, I know we had done a couple of other penals where they look for pregnancy things mm-hmm. um and those were pretty consistent with the numbers that I had from lab for so really it was just the AMH that was not great and you know um, t- and and AMH I mean yes it's sure an indicator but doesn't there no physician no person should look at you and say you can't have a natural pregnancy because of this lab result yeah. unless like your husband it's was sterile yeah and he's like not and I've still gotten back in my head that first sample yeah. Um, and um, so that was just really hard to 
Oh, um, I'm sure. I mean, and you deliver these news over the phone like that. They should have also, if that's what they're saying it is, they should have had you come into the office too. And like, speak yeah, because I was just like sitting at home. I think I was still working from home at this point, minding my own business. I figured I saw the number calling, but I figured it was my nurse calling about the genetic stuff or like literally thought nothing of it. And so then she told me that my nurse would be in touch to go over the genetic screening with me. So of course they dropped that ball and it's like, I'm a carrier for three horrible things. Oh, really? Is that the karyotype that you did or was it a different type of genetic screening? It was whatever, like they sent it off somewhere and it tests for like, they just for like 200 different, like, yeah. okay, got it. And then they decide they'll go ahead. So my nurse called me and she literally was just reading off the internet. I'm like, this is not helpful. I've already done this, but thank you. Um, and then they decide, let's go ahead and check Jason because at least the ones I was a carrier for, they had to also be with your husband. Yeah, they have. So the chances that both of us would have it were slim, but again, with everything I've been through, I'm like, oh my God, Jason's going to be a carrier and now our chances are really done. Um, and so, and then the icing on the cake to that phone call. Oh, and by the way, before we really start IVF, because I guess they've told me by this point, no IUI, no nothing like this IVF or nothing. Yeah. Um, we're going to need to put a pick line in you because you have to get a lot of labs. Um, and since you have really bad veins, um, it'll just be easier for all of us if you can get a pick line. I'm like, okay. Um, and they said they would not treat me unless I got the pick line too. And so I'm just sitting oh. there like, like yeah, my jaws just dropped because I'm still like at my house on the phone with this nurse um oh and then by the way they still want to have an official sit down meeting to go over all of this again and I'm like like Great. thanks and so this happens mid-may of 2021 um and it was the week after my grandfather's funeral so oh. that really was the icing on the cake and it was just so impersonal and there was a resident with my doctor that day and usually at MUSC they tell me hey like there's a med student or there's gonna be a resident they warn you that this is and they ask for your permission and are you comfortable especially with GYN OB stuff like are you comfortable yeah and so I just like walk in to the doctor's office um and there's the resident just sitting there playing on her cell phone and I'm like oh hello and so they had the folder of everything for me, like all the financials, like everything. And once again, um, my weight comes up into this conversation and they calculate, I guess, based off of BMI, which I hate, but my doctor and my nurse did the math that I needed to lose 30 pounds and get my pick line before they would start anything. That sounds like a nightmare. Right. You're like, you just told me I can't conceive naturally, but we're going to do IVF and you're going to make me <laughs> put like this huge pick line in my chest. And then, oh my goodness. And so, um, we left that appointment just like so downtrodden and like upset. So I also had been going back to the gym by this point. I'd already lost some weight, like not because of baby making or anything, just because I wanted to be in a better 
spot again. And I was um, working with a great trainer um, who was wonderful. And so luckily I had, was talking to her about some of this and um, told her, you know, we actually think I need to move towards IVF. And she was like, what? Like, you're so young. This doesn't make any sense. But hey, by the way, I know this great acupuncturist who used to work in a fertility clinic. You really should go see her because her specialty is fertility patients. I'm like, okay. And so um, off I go to the acupuncturist who I absolutely adore. And at first, you know, I, if you talked to me about five years ago saying I'd be an acupuncture loving it, I'd be like, no, that's like witchcraft. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but truly, truly like was a godsend. And she's like, and bring me all your labs and everything. Like, let me see. Oh, and so cool. I brought her everything. And she's like, yes, yeah, really just your AMH. All your other levels are fine. And she's too, with Jason's number, she's like, yeah, I'm not sold on what they said with that being a fluke. Because it doesn't just happen like that. It's perfect. And then it does nothing. She's like, I think it's COVID. Um, but by this point, it had been 90 days plus by this point. So he's had at least one full life cycle and it didn't recover. Um, but my acupuncturist like was not convinced by the doctor, Mount Pleasant, their diagnosis, like the fresh transfer. She was like, that's so crazy. She's like, yes, your AMH is low. If you really have um, like diminished ovarian reserve, maybe you really shouldn't stay at this clinic because they're not known for that. She's like, there's this one daughter who's better with it than others. And it was a doctor I'd been seeing. I was like, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm just curious real quick. Cause Amanda was diagnosed with, um, diminished ovarian reserve. Did they ever recommend a fresh cycle for you transfer? Mm -mm. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. No, mine was all frozen too, just because we also kept having abnormal embryos. And so we wanted to test them anyway. Yeah, that's what I thought. Our cycle was never even on the table. Yeah. Um, and so around this time, Catherine, I think you were going through like a lot of stuff. Um, and I've still been at this clinic. <laughs> My whole life, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, yes. In 2021 and 2020, there's a lot of stuff. And so I remember like I messaged you on Instagram because by this point, I think the clinic and Somerville had opened because my acupuncturist was like, you could try this guy in New Jersey or Craig has opened up in Mount, oh, Mount Pleasant. They were, um, you're right. They were in Mount Pleasant. And yeah, because they took over Singletons, yes. but then they moved. But around that time, I don't think they were ever there when I was doing a bunch of my procedures. Yeah. Um, I think my only option at the time was where I was. But I remember reaching out to you it looked like you had been at that practice I was at but had recently switched I don't even remember um, this <laughs> and so I set up a um second opinion I remember calling them and they're like yeah you know if you want it to be free just get all your like records to us and I was like I don't even care if I have to pay y'all like just someone talk to me oh, yeah. um and so total like night and day experience night and day yep and I guess by this point we're in um fall so end of summer of 21 into fall so you're like way over a year of yeah 
is at this point then, right? Mm-hmm. And so I check in, um, and then like literally a few minutes later, the sweet lady at the front desk literally calls me out and apologizes for calling me Catherine and not Katie. There you so go. Green flag like, one. <laughs> um, and I was like, that's just so, that's just like attention to detail. And I yeah. really appreciated that. Um, and so we spent over an hour and a half with the doctor that day, which was more time than we had ever spent with anyone at the other practice. And this doctor had actually already read all of my notes ahead of time because I was able to get my files from Mount Pleasant and sent all of them over. And he literally just looked at me and was like, you've been through the ringer. Mm. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. Because to me, everything just kind of seemed. Well, they were making you feel like kind of small. Yeah. Like, oh, everybody does a hysteroscopy without anesthesia. Everybody does this. You're, you're good. We'll just send you to lab core. Like you finally were heard a little bit. And so then he literally talked through everything and like why he didn't agree necessarily with what the other um, practices said. And he was very professional. Like he said, you know, I do not want to speak ill of that practice. Like I know those doctors very well, but they are very concerned with their reporting and numbers. So I think they were pushing fresh for them to be able to say they did a transfer. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then he talks about um, Jason's analyses. He's like, yeah. And I see Jason had that great analysis and then didn't. He's like, did y'all change anything? I was like, oh, we both had COVID. He's like, I really think that's why. And I looked at him. I was like, well, it's been longer than 90 days now. He's like, you know, we still don't know enough about COVID to say um, whether or not that's the issue. But my money right now is on that Jason's COVID diagnosis impacted his um, sperm count. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I like you. Yeah, um, hope. And so I'm still just like sitting there, like on the edge of my seat waiting for him to be like, now, now we need to lose some weight. Um, but he was very honest the whole time. And again, said, you know, IVF definitely probably is the way we're gonna have to go. Um, but I don't want to make any final decisions until we rerun your labs because sometimes things can fluctuate, um, yada, 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 yada. So let's not stress um, at all. I'm still just sitting there like, okay, um, weight card. So I asked him, I was like, are you concerned about my weight? He's like, no. Um, why should I be? And so I told him about what the other doctor said. He's like, yeah, that's BS. He's like, people, if you do get closer, like 50 with BMI, like way up there, yes, then we may need to look at that because you're spending all this money on IVF. We want you in the best shape you can be, but for yeah. you, I'm not worried. I love that. Yeah. And so, um, you probably left the, there feeling great, like a million bucks. Yeah. The best part about the whole visit. I go to the lab on my way out to have all my blood drawn. She gets my blood the first try, like no questions asked. And it was an appointment like after lunch. So you're like, I'm sold. This is the clinic yeah. I'm staying at. <laughs> like literally was sold. And the best part is this doctor is from Texas. 
my husband's from Texas, so they just hit it off really yeah. well. Um, and it was great. I actually was about to fly out to Texas. So it's funny. We were talking about a few different things. Um, he's like, you go enjoy your trip. We'll run this flood and then we'll sit down and have our game plan next time. And so we go back and lo and behold, my AMH has gone from 0.2 to 0.6. And I was like, I've never really heard of it fluctuating like that much. Yeah. Um, but then again, he looked back at my records. He's like, Katie, they drew half your blood that one time at the doctor's office, then sent you to um, LabCorp. Like, there's a chance maybe they didn't get a full sample, but whatever, we're going to go with AMH in my lab is 0.6. He's like, still not wonderful, but that's a big improvement. And Jason did another sample there, and it had even improved some from the last one at the old practice. So okay. we're feeling feeling better about ourselves. But once again, he's like, you know, IVF is your option. He's like, I feel pretty confident. Um, I think we can get you pregnant, but whether that's going to be on the first round or your fifth round, it's all really a numbers game. And so I'm like, okay. Um, like sign me up by this point. We love this practice. Everyone is so great. Um, and so, yeah, I guess by that point, it's like September of last year, 21. So gosh, is that six months now? Yeah. Sorry. Just probably was like counting on the mic with my fingers, like just seven. Okay. Sorry. So it's seven months ago. Um, be hard. It's fine. So I, he's like, okay, like, wait till we get your period, call us, and then we'll start you back on birth control. And so um, I do that, but lo and behold, I go in for my first monitoring appointment, and I have a cyst. Oh. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Here we are, full circle, like, like, all the way back to the beginning. Here we are again, but we end up just, like, waiting it out. Because my doctor's like, you know, you're young. We usually do only like keeping people on birth control for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not worried about you. We can just let it ride out. It should be gone in about two weeks anyways. Two weeks comes along. Cyst is still there. He's like, just stay on it a while longer. But if it's not gone in the next two weeks, maybe we should go in and aspirate it. Like, okay, whatever. And so... Luckily, I go back in, and it has um, gone away finally, so we are clear to order my meds and start um, protocol for stems. And so, had good appointments. Um, I ended up with like six or seven good follicles, all were decent sizes. Um, and my egg retrieval actually ended up being on my birthday, which was a Saturday. And we actually ended up, because um, that clinic's in Somerville, we live on James Island. We ended up getting a hotel room the night before because Jason just having to do so many samples and just white coat syndrome, wanted to be able to give a sample like in peace and quiet, like no pressure, but James Island was just like a little too far. 
And God forbid, what if the sample like spills in the car and then we're really screwed. <laughs> and I know you shared that with some other women like in our local group. And they're like, yes, we're booking a hotel because men are so funny. It's the one thing they have to do. And they're like, I can't do it. I know. Yeah, and for like, for a while, I, you know, was like, this is dumb, but at least we have mirror up points. This is free. But now <laughs> looking back, I'm so glad I did. And I remember too, um, the other doctor in the Somerville practice was so kind when she did one of my monitoring appointments about, you know, we sometimes don't give men any credit because yes, they don't have as big as a role as us, but when it comes down to it, I mean, they're half of it. Yeah. And so they've got to perform for that moment. <laughs> yeah. So that was worth everything to just be in that hotel and we got calls the night before um and I remember my acupuncture sent me with some someone I was supposed to like light on fire and put on my ankle and we did it outside on the patio and went to bed get up the next morning and go to um the practice and everyone was there ready to go and I was worried though because the person so good at blood wasn't going to be working that day but she, um she was so great and has talked to the nurse anesthetist on duty I was like well, this is where you get Katie's vein like I promise it's there and like she even drew with a sharpie like on my arm Aww. um to like show her where it was and so we get the IV in um hanging out um and daughter came to talk to us but basically said, you know, we're looking at about six is going to be our magic number today if we get there. And so I really hadn't thought about it much up until that point, even though they kind of told me about the follicles I had, but never really hit me like, oh, this kind of means the number of eggs. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah, I was going to ask you, did you have expectations? Cause I know when I went into my egg retrieval, I had like expectations that I told the physician and he's like, why would you even think we were going to get that many? You don't have that many follicles. Yeah. And I feel like I'm after like all the trauma I went through that first clinic, I tried so hard to like stay off of Google, stay off of researching things, like stay off of oh, just internet period. Awesome. And so it was a blessing and a curse. Like on the one hand, Sometimes when we talk to people in the group, me, it's like, yeah, y'all are way smarter than me when it comes to fertility stuff. No. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Oh, yes. but very much. That's yes. That's how I'm going. I was just going to say, no, ours, I feel like, so my first retrieval, mine was the opposite. The physician literally told us that we were going to have, like, he was expecting so much more. So I, if the doctor's telling me that, then I'm like, oh, cool let's try and get this number. And then I literally had like half of what he said. So then I was even more upset because then I had the expectation already. So like, yeah, oh, yeah. I got nine and I was like, I was thinking I was going to get 24. He was like, you had 12 follicles. Why did you think you were going to get 24 eggs? And so I, I don't really know what I was thinking, but I was just like six. I'm like, oh okay and so we go in and I'm knocked out and they do their thing and then what I really appreciate now looking back at old practice they told like the woman who was still drugged up about um how many eggs they got my doctor went to Jason first and told him the numbers 
and he was so excited because we ended up getting seven and he said the extra one was for the birthday oh that's oh, that is so sweet and so um then they let Jason come back we hung out made sure I was like doing fine and then off we went um on our merry way and but then, during, this was all during COVID and he was still able to like come back with you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That kind of was during COVID and I, he couldn't come in. He had to stay in the car, like in the parking lot, which was horrible. That clinic's been really, really good about letting the spouse be there for everything. Josh didn't miss a thing. That's so yeah. great. Like I, I just think the world of this practice. Um, and the next few days though, proved to be pretty rough. Because again, kind of the ignorance is bliss thing came to kind of backfire on me a little bit. So the next day, I guess was Sunday, was when I got my first report. Um, we had lost five eggs already. Like they did not fertilize. And so five out of the seven, dang. Five out of the seven are gone. So we've got two. And I talked to the embryologist and she was very nice about it because my eggs they'd already told me were great quality so they, they were kind of leaning more towards the sperm not fertilizing with egg but it was just they couldn't be 100% sure but that was her gut instinct of course I feel terrible because I don't want to tell Jason um I remember, I, just remember that, yeah, I remember that phone call and it's like I got it downstairs and I like didn't want to go upstairs and tell them and it was just and we went because we actually ended up staying in the hotel after the egg retrieval too, because it's like, it's my birthday. We might as well just make it a weekend. But that Sunday then we were supposed to have brunch with my parents and we decided we would just kind of cook in, just not knowing how I'd be feeling. Yeah. Um, and I remember we got the news before we got in my parents, but I remember having to leave the table and like go outside and just sob, like, I think you put so much into it and you're like, now I have two chances, which is equal to two months worth of like an egg releasing and fertilizing. And so, but around, um, so that was a Sunday. And then I guess we finally get to Thursday and they were very honest and said, you know, we'll give you the day five report. So so you won't hear anything from us until then. (sighs) And so I get a call that morning um, from the embryologist herself, and we ended up with one perfect embryo. And she said, there's still a chance the other one may do something. We'll watch it for one more day. But this one embryo y'all have is beautiful. It's truly one of the best ones I have ever seen. And I was was on the phone. I was like, are you just saying that to make me feel better? She's like, no, like I do this a lot. this looks incredible. Um, and so she taught me through two PGT testing. Mm-hmm. And so as y'all probably know, it's the same price, whether you test one embryo or 29. And it's like, do I really want to spend the $2,000? Um, and so we decided not to test it. And then the embryologist said, I wasn't going to push you that way, but if I were in your shoes, I would have done the same. Thing. I think that's very wise. And so around this time, though, this was November 
It was open enrollment for my husband's insurance, and he actually has great fertility coverage. So we added me on his plan as secondary, just kind of thinking for the future, like, okay, we'll probably have to do another round mm-hmm. starting in January anyway. So let's just add me to his plan. What's well, another $300 a month? So mm-hmm. add me to his insurance. And then transfer protocol, I guess, starts. Um, as my estrogen pill started on Christmas Day. So again, hitting all the holidays, egg retrieval on oh, my birthday, yeah. estrogen on Christmas. And then I remember Thanksgiving Day, I had to go sit outside and it was cold that day because I could not stop sweating. I guess I was detoxing that, from yeah. all of my um, hormones and everything. Hormones. Yeah. And my family thought I was crazy. I'm like wearing shorts and a t-shirt and everyone else is in like jeans and sweaters and... <laughs> I'm a sweaty hot mess. <laughs> so we start, we get into January and that's when my um, progesterone shots start. Um, and then I think we start on like January 11th and then we end up um, with a transfer date scheduled for Martin Luther King Day. So yet another holiday. Um, and so Sunday night, the night before the transfer, my husband and I are watching his Cowboys play. Then all of a sudden, I get a text from my doctor. And it's like, hey, um, call me when you ever get a chance. I want to talk about transfer tomorrow. And I was like, oh, God, this can't be good. Like, something has happened. And so um, I call him, and he basically was not going to be able to do my transfer the next day he was being told to go help in the Columbia practice because I guess the upstate had a bunch of snow so whoever was supposed to be covering in Columbia couldn't get there and so we talked he's like you know you can like kill me too my wife's already mad at me so you can be mad at me too I don't care but I'm really upset um because I don't want to go and I really want to be there for your transfer um so like, here are your options. Mm-hmm. And so my options were to just, you know, wait a couple more weeks. And it's like, no, like I've waited long enough or to let his um, partner um, in the practice do it. And he said, you know, if I didn't think she could handle your case, I wouldn't be offering this, but I trust her completely with um, this. Plus by this point, all she has to do is like stick the embryo up me. It's not like I know you don't realize how I say simple the transfer is, but compared to everything else, you're like, okay, yeah. this is the quickest in and out. Um, Most important, but yeah. quick. Yeah. And so we ended up going that route. Um, and I did acupuncture like on both ends of the transfer that day. And I've been drinking a bunch of water because you got to go into full bladder. And I was really proud of myself, really thought I had drunk enough, enough water, but no, I hadn't. So I had to keep drinking water and they took like an IUI couple in front of us, but I just kept drinking, really feeling like I was about to explode. <laughs> That's um, the worst feeling. It really is. I swore I was going to pee on yeah. the table. Like I, I know. Yeah, I'm like, and I told the daughter, I was like, I'm so sorry. Like if I pee on you, like I'm gonna be so embarrassed. But like, she was great. I was like, you're fine. And she actually had done my first monitoring appointment, so it was kind of cool to have like the bookends. 
Um, oh, that is cool. And so transfer was fine. They gave us the little um, picture of our embryo at that point. And that was really cool. And then it's fine. So then my husband kind of picked up Google. He's like, oh, embryologist is right. Yeah, this kind of does look like a good embryo. Like, oh, I love okay. it. Um, and then we go get our McDonald's French fries, of course. Of course. Um, and then go back to acupuncture, and then I go home and like try to stay warm. And I start doing some things like I'd seen on TikTok, of course, because I was like, you know, anything could work. Oh yeah. Um, At that point, you're like, I'll try anything. Mm-hmm. Got my fuzzy socks on. Yeah. What else do you do? <laughs> um, I like made some like pineapple like. My acupuncturist already gave me like bromine tablets, so I didn't have to like go get the core of the pineapple. But I saw something on TikTok where you get the core and then you crush it up and blend it and make this tea. Um, so I did that. And um, whenever I was supposed to drink the palm juice, my acupuncturist was like, Yeah, do it. But I thought I was supposed to drink as much as I could. So I really never want to see palm juice ever again. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, and she's like, yeah, like eight ounces, like max. I'm like, oh, okay. like I had a gallon. <laughs> but literally like the big Costco size ones, I would try to drink like one in like a couple of hours. It was oh. never again. Um, so two week wait begins after that. And I was so confident in myself I'm gonna wait till my beta I'm gonna wait um I knew I, I, was, I was knew, like, oh I, I knew was and I was like I will be testing as soon as I can like I was I, like, can you yeah I was like can you test three or four days after the transfer which one is it I'm like googling it I'm like okay I'll test as early as possible yeah good for so, you but I start feeling pretty crappy pretty quickly but again like progesterone and some of those other meds can make you feel bad yeah um but I remember I felt so sick I called up to the doctor and my nurse like you know this is a good sign um but they went ahead and called in some meds for me and told me some other things to do and again I'm pretty determined I'm going to wait till beta but then I ended up testing the day, Catherine, that you told us in the group, your news. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm like, this is a good day. Like, I'm going to test too. Um, but then I remember testing at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, I'm so stupid. Like, I should have waited till tomorrow morning. You're supposed to wait till the morning. I did the same thing. I tested in the afternoon. I literally went to Harris Teeter and like bought a pregnancy test. And I was like, okay, I bought it for tomorrow. But then it was sitting in front of me. I was like, there's no way in hell that I am waiting till the next day. I will take it right now. Yep. Um, and it was one of those like sticks that comes in like your ovulation kits too. So it wasn't even like oh, that yeah. official. And then like, as I'm waiting on it, I was like, I'm so stupid. Like I should have waited. Like this is not going to show anything. And then I'm going to be anxious. This is dumb. Why did I do this? <laughs> well, lo and behold, it is very, very positive. Yay. And so I'm like looking at pictures. I go to Google, I go to TikTok, I go everywhere I know to compare. And it's like, no, like this is positive. Mm-hmm. And so then I think you sent it to the group too. And you're like, is this positive? We were yeah. like, yeah, it's like, very yeah. positive. <laughs> I never like taken a test before really either of them when you had a test for the HCG to make sure it's in your system. Yep. 
And so then I felt so bad. I was like, crap, I probably shouldn't have sent this to like a fertility group where people are struggling, but I literally do not know what this is supposed to look like. Um, and then the next morning, I think I took clear blue or whatever one say like pregnant, not pregnant. And sure enough, um, no, I was pregnant. And again, then my symptoms continued to um, develop and any pregnancy symptom you can get, like I had. Um, so I go into my beta. It was on Friday, the 28th of January, and we we're sitting at 221. Um, so that was really exciting. But I remember too that day, that practice was like the busiest I'd ever seen it. So I was like, you know, this is a good thing for them, but I know they close at noon. Like I need my beta, like I need them to call me. Yeah. Um, but sure enough, one of the nurses actually drew my blood because the tech was backed up. So again, I'm freaking out that my like magic tech can't get me. But again, that nurse got me just fine, like at 1145. Um, and she's like, I promise you, like, I will call you before I leave today. Aww. And again, I'm still not believing it because it's like y'all close in 15 minutes. But sure enough, they called me. And then I go back on Monday or Tuesday and my beta was over a thousand. So that's so were, exciting. I mean, to go from someone telling you, you can never get pregnant naturally. You're going to have, can't even do a frozen transfer. And then like you get pregnant. Amanda and I did not You got pregnant the very first round of IVF. Which is like mind boggling. Like it still doesn't and it was um, your only embryo, correct? It was the my only, only embryo. embryo. So crazy. That's the fun success story. And how many, do you mind sharing how many weeks pregnant you are now? Because it's um, I'll be 15 weeks tomorrow. Yay. Congratulations. That's so exciting. And so it's just very surreal, but I'm just. And you have no idea, obviously, the gender. Oh, you gender. Oh. <laughs> we'll my wrap up the knows. podcast with this. Yeah, she's going to have a very bougie gender reveal party, but she does not know yes. yet. Oh, yay. My my mom knows because when they did more blood work with my OB a few weeks ago, whatever, contest for like Down syndrome and some things. Yeah, the NIPT. Yeah. Um, and that actually, that was another story for another day, but that took longer to come back because they spelled my name wrong. But that came back clear, but I sent everything to my mom and let her do the login. I was like, just assure okay. me the baby's fine. So she knows the gender. Um but we will find out the week after Easter. Yeah, that's It's literally like two weeks away. That's so yeah. exciting. But you've been waiting. I mean, you could have known from day one. So you've been yeah. waiting for a really long time. And so we're, we're excited. Um, but just for anyone listening, like, I'm so glad we got that second opinion and just started building a team. Like, went to acupuncture, like, joined y'all's group, just... Infertility is like, unfortunately, way more common than people think. Oh, um, yeah. Like I've also been able to connect with a girl I went to elementary school with who saw me in a Facebook group who's also um, going through infertility and like her sister gets pregnant just looking at her husband and this friend of mine like can't. Mm -hmm. um, but then also it's just sad 
Like I'm, I miss the Somerville doctor. Like going to my OB just isn't the same. I miss it too. Yeah. I can't wait though. You, Katie did some really cute and I don't know why I keep remembering all these things, but she did some really cute gifts to give to the fertility specialist, which I think is really sweet. But like, to your point, everybody becomes a family going through this kind of stuff. And it's just, everyone has a different story of how they got there, but I am so excited that you ended up doing IVF with people you trusted and it worked and you don't have to do it again right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, and if, if we do though, we still now have this insurance we added myself to of Jason's and he gets like four lifetime cycles, 90% covered. That's amazing. The doctor, the doctor in Somerville also said like, he's not not determined that we may be able to get pregnant naturally once we continue to watch um, my husband's like sperm yeah. go back up. He's like, there, there's no telling what could yeah, happen. Yeah, and let's just like wrap it up and close it there. So your husband's, you used his sperm for mm-hmm. the pregnancy you're currently with, which is yeah, this just is... crazy. Yeah. yeah. When the one doctor said, yeah, no chance in hell. So just you're for like, anyone listening, I'll like, you. <laughs> yeah, like I really want to go literally just give them terrible reviews but it's like no we're going to kill people with kindness there you go um but for anyone listening just like don't give up like there are other options out there mm-hmm. um but yeah the fertility world really becomes family yeah. it does thank you katie so much we really appreciated hearing your whole story and um i feel like you kind of already gave some advice at the end do you have anything else you want to share with everyone I think too, like, don't, I know it can be awkward to talk about, but again, just bringing it up to people you feel comfortable with, because if I never shared it with my trainer in the gym, I may have never gone to acupuncture and then may have never connected back with Catherine and both acupuncturists and you were so helpful in me actually seeking that second opinion and not just settling on what the one doctor said. And now yeah. you're going to have your, your baby. So congratulations again. Um, I can't wait to find out with you. Yeah. You're having, it's so exciting. We're excited. Thank you so much. Katie.